And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. Excited to be joined today by Sud Batija. He is one of the, the co-founders and head of growth of Spot.ai. Learn more about his company today and his journey of, of being an entrepreneur. Before we get started, I do want to remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Sude, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me, man. I'm excited. So um, tell us a little more about your company and, and what you guys do. It looks like um, all has to do with security and video and all kinds of cool stuff. Tell us tell us more about your company. For sure. So what's been happening over the last seven or eight years in business is that the number of security cameras have actually been increasing a whole lot. Uh, there are a billion security cameras in the world today. Uh, and that's about double what it was just about six or seven years ago. Uh, and if you typically run a larger multi-location business, uh, which has people, vehicles, and things moving around, uh, visual context is very valuable to solving problems. You can't be everywhere at the same time. And sometimes you just need to see what's going on. Uh, so uh, this increase in cameras has been driven by business owners of all you know, scales using their camera systems for, of course, security, but also to make better decisions about their business and run their businesses better. Uh, and if you think about it, uh, video data is about two thirds of business data. Uh, it's because it's really heavy and it's just very dense. A lot of data. All, a lot of data. <laughs> a lot of data. A lot of data. Uh, and if you look at the startups of the last like, you know, 15, 20, 30 years, a lot of it, you know, the whole movement on business intelligence has been focused on unstructured data, sorry, structured data. Uh, uh, now, what we're doing is actually helping businesses tap into their unstructured data to get insights about what's happening in their businesses, make better decisions and, you know, make more money or save more costs. So what, so what gave you guys the original idea to do this? Where, where did the original idea come from? So, uh, I met my co-founders when we were all grad students at Stanford. And one of the, you know, around that time, companies like Nest and Ring were becoming a really big deal. Uh, you know, Nest got acquired for a lot of money, so did Ring. Right. And, yep. you know, everybody we knew was buying those. And the question that came up for us was, if you really want to look at your $100 Amazon package on your front doorstep, don't you want to look at your $100,000 machine on your factory floor? Right. Uh, and it was this hypothesis that businesses were using would, would also need to use video because you know video is so valuable, and that's really what got us starting. You know, started talking to customers, and what we realized is that the same uh, behavior change that was happening in the consumer world was also happening in the business world. People were looking to use their cameras for different purposes, and the number of cameras were growing really, really fast. 
But the problem was that they didn't have the right software to actually be able to use it. Uh, I, mean, of- I, mean, I mean, historically, lots of businesses have had security cameras, right? But it's like, hey, somebody robbed the bank. Let's go back and, you know, look at the VCR footage and figure out, you know, who the criminals were, right? Like people didn't really use the cameras like very proactively for anything. They were just That's you know, exactly weird right. situations like that. Otherwise, they weren't really used for anything. That's exactly right. And as a result of which, the software wasn't built for that. The software was built for, uh, you know, these, it was built to be used once in six months. Yeah. And a lot of software features that you and I would assume would exist everywhere, right? Like, you know, let's say you're looking at YouTube and you're able to seek and scroll the video to like scroll to wherever you want to in the video um, or, uh, you know, share a video with a link. A lot of those things didn't exist uh, in the business world as much because a lot of the companies, they, you know, at that point, the value of the technology was in the hardware. So they built good hardware, but they didn't build good software. What do you think part of that was because of just the challenges of dealing with all that data? I mean, you go back 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, first of all, we didn't even have like 1080p and high definition and things like that either. So the video quality wasn't very good. But then also just the sheer volume of data you're talking about from hundreds, thousands of cameras, like it wasn't really conceivable to even build software to process all of that stuff. Like the processing power needed was didn't exist either, I don't think. That's exactly right. And what's been happening over the last... Uh, I'd say decade is as we have got into this, uh, you know, the most, uh, you know, the more recent and what's now fairly clear to be the golden age of AI is uh, these AI specific silicon chips have been developing at a very, very fast clip. So, you know, Moore's law slowed down, but then uh, companies started developing GPUs and TPUs, which were specific for AI. Yeah. And, what, is ha- what has been happening every year is the cost per you know, unit compute has been going down significantly year on year. So this, for the same cost, you can get a chip that's like, uh, you know, like several times more powerful than the one the year before. And what that allows uh, us to do is actually crunch all that video data uh, right where it's created. And it gives you the, you know, one, the actual horsepower, but also at a practical cost to be able to do it. So the the other term for that is edge computing, right? So you you see this in all forms of like IoT devices, the Internet of Things devices, all these things, is being able to push this sort of compute all the way to the edge. So that way you don't have to upload all these videos and process process them somewhere. You can actually do this processing on the edge, which saves a lot of of bandwidth and cost and all, computational costs, all this kind of stuff, because you can do it on the device like that. That is like one of the big innovations that it took to get here, I believe. Exactly. And and the reason that's really relevant for video is because video is so heavy. Moving video to the cloud is both, you know, hard or it's, it's, it's both impractical and expensive. Yeah. It's difficult on your bandwidth. And uh, once you get into the cloud, it's really expensive to store and process. Thousands so, of servers it would take to process it all. Exactly, right? It's, it's much more expensive. So you're now able to store it on a you know, local hard disk and you're also able to process it with a, you know, a, a much cheaper chip. So that unlocks a lot more value at a price point that actually makes sense for the market. Uh, and that trend came together with uh, uh, you know, us seeing this behavior change. And that's basically what led to starting the company. 
So for your guys' solution, what was what was the original idea? Was the original idea to help like detect like, oh, somebody is, you know, at your facility and it's three in the morning and we're gonna alert you? Or was it like health and safety things or you know like was there certain like a use case that you were after or was it like hey we want to do all of these use cases uh that's a great question so actually we started off uh in a different form uh and this is our journey as entrepreneurs finding the right product form to uh to fit the market we actually started off thinking we'll be a smart camera company and what we were focused on for these different businesses were these operational use cases directly uh and uh you know we're trying to identify those and we we spent, you know, about a year plus trying to figure out different types of businesses and what were the operating challenges that they wanted to solve and what could video help solve for them. Um, what we realized after we spoke to a lot of customers was uh, customers were like, hey, this is great, but I don't want to change my cameras. Uh, so, how, you know, how do I do that? Uh, two is, you know, you're talking about all these things that, I want to do someday, but today I can't access and see my video and use it like really, really easily. So Uh, at that point, were you also trying to sell the cameras? Also, at that point, we were were focused on only being a camera system, like like only selling smart cameras. So you're selling the hardware too. Exactly. Asking them to replace their cameras. Yeah. Then what we realized then was the value that customers perceived was... uh, like had to be entirely software-based and we had to build a software-only solution because they already had a bunch of these existing cameras that were just too expensive and too cumbersome to remove. And the second thing is that a lot of basic problems that we assumed were solved, and again, this is our journey as founders, uh, you realize that a very basic problem that customers, like, you know, you thought was already solved was actually not being solved. Uh, You know, the best ideas are the ones that are very obvious, but it's like, hey, why is this not being done yet? Uh, and that's what we stumbled into. And, uh, what we then decided is we'd still build a camera system, but it would be focused on something that would work with what they already had. And if they wanted more cameras, we'll give them away for free because at the end of the day, the value is not in the cameras. The camera is a sensor. The camera is producing data for you that you can utilize. Um, the value is, is in the software. And the ability to use that data to then create a business outcome. So it became a much more software-centric approach to it, uh, where we basically give the hardware for free and we work with whatever systems people already have. Well, that's incredible. You give away the cameras for free. I mean, obviously, there must be an annual you know, fee or whatever, and that's how you guys recoup your your expense. But I, but I think one of the really key things here, I would imagine... Is you could let, let's say you go to like a, de- a department store or somebody, right? And they might have like a hundred cameras already. The idea of them replacing those cameras, the probably the cost of the labor to replace the cameras is more than the cost of the camera itself, right? Like there's so much labor involved in just like doing all of the work, and, and I could definitely see like nobody wants to replace them, nobody wants to deal with any of it. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the cost of a camera system, the, the, the physical cost of the camera is actually much smaller compared to the cost of the installation and wiring. Yeah. Uh, Makes in, total most, sense. In, in most cases. So that's exactly right. And, you know, if you offer them a solution that can work with what they have and then can give them observability on what's actually happening with their camera system, with the ability to then easily switch out cameras that are not working when they actually have to do it, uh, is then very, very valuable to customers. So what, so, so as you guys made that pivot to just doing the software part of it, 
Did that create its own challenges of how you integrate with all these existing hardware platforms? Or was there enough standards around the video that it was easy to integrate with all the existing camera systems that, that exist out there? Uh, there were standards around video. So cameras use this, uh, uh, use this protocol called RTSP. Uh, 95% of cameras use it. Uh, as long as you're an IP camera, you probably use RTSP. So we were able to you know, leverage that. Uh, which definitely made things simpler. Uh, there were other, you know, challenges, obviously, which we as a business had to solve from a technology perspective. Is irrespective of the type of cameras and the type of network, how do you make video reliably appear uh, glass to glass? Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, it's getting captured in the camera. How do you make sure that's easily, like, like that reliably and with low latency can be viewed from any device anywhere? Right. Irrespective of everything in the middle. Well, you, did you still have to provide them some kind of hardware to install like on-premise to connect to those cameras? We give them an appliance, which basically you do. plug and play and connect okay. it on the same network. Got it. And which auto-directed all those cameras. So you didn't have to change cameras, but you had to install like a, like an appliance. Yeah, which configure the IP addresses or whatever. And I, Actually, the system does all that for you. So the interesting part is as you're finding product market fit, COVID hit us. So... One of the things that we had to do early on, and you know, eventually we would have done it anyway, but it really accelerated that timeline is being able to remotely install devices. Well, because- I would, I, and I actually, I would imagine COVID would have helped you because a lot of a lot more companies needed cameras because their buildings were empty and stuff, right? Like, would would, would did COVID actually help you from that perspective too? It it, it did because I think one is uh, businesses you couldn't have people on location. So businesses wanted to monitor what was going on. Yeah. Uh, so that was one factor. The other is as people came back to office, people wanted to figure out, you know, our, our, is everybody following six feet distance protocols? Uh, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, a bunch of companies just wanted to uh, rehaul like their infrastructure because they, it was easier when nobody was around. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so there were a lot of benefits. I think then the, the the flip side is we had to make sure the systems were really easy to install, and uh, you know we'd have these early customers where they would have to coordinate with some team in the company to know when they could physically go to an office. So we had to make sure that they could go in and they could plug it in and walk out and it worked. Yeah, one of my nephews during COVID, uh, his job was to do security, and he just walked around an empty building all day and la- and just did laps around the building. It was just security and there was nobody in the building because of COVID, but somebody had to be there just to make sure, you know, there wasn't somebody doing something crazy and whatever. Yep. It, interesting dynamics from all the COVID time, but I imagine as, you know, somebody having, being in the uh, surveillance security kind of solution, like there had to be a lot of demand for it. So, yeah, in fact, there were, I mean, unfortunately there were different geographies and areas where crime was actually going up and that was also right. then leading to business owners wanting to secure their facilities for yep. biomo cameras. Yeah, because the employees aren't even there. Exactly. So what so what other kind of use cases do people use your system for? Like so for example, could like a department store use it and know like, okay, how many people walk up and down this aisle or like traffic patterns, like safety stuff, like where where's the jackhammer, you know, on the construction site? Like what what kind of different use cases do people use it for? They use it for a bunch of things. So, you know, over the last few years, we have sold to uh, customers across 17 different verticals. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, everybody buys a camera system. Uh, the, the, so I'll talk a bit about the use cases. At a basic level, 
what all businesses you use camera systems for in some capacity is incident resolution. Something happened, we need to go and look for video. Um, it could be a safety incident, it could be a theft, it could be a customer complaint, whatever have you. Uh, looking for video is actually pretty difficult. So, uh, you know, like again, a lot of the features that you and I take for granted in, you know, in, in, in an internet first world is, it aren't, aren't available to a lot of these uh, customers in, with the systems they have. So if you have to look at six hours of video footage, you very often have to look through six hours of video footage uh, for six hours. Uh, so uh, we make that process really, really simple and make it very easy to collaborate. Like we have, we have, we've had customers where they were actually downloading video footage onto pen drives and actually sharing it with other customers and, uh, it, 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 or like with, with, with law enforcement agencies or whatever have you. That's a very cumbersome process. We allow them to like just do it securely with links. And then we allow them to collaborate with multiple people internally and externally on a single platform instead of sending, you know, a bunch of different emails and texts and have it all be in one place. So that's kind of the basic use case. The higher order use cases depend on the kind of business, but they really span two things. They span, uh, you know, efficiency, uh, safety, and customer experience. Uh, so one vertical that we spend a lot of time with is car washes. Um, car washes, you know, once you buy and install a car wash, uh, how much money you make is just dependent on how many cars you can wash. Um, the marginal cost of washing a car is relatively low. Uh, uh, so what business owners are trying to do is just maximize the throughput of those car washes extent they can. So what they're trying to understand is how long is a car taking to go through the process? How many cars am I washing every day? Where in the process are they getting stuck? Uh, so we are able to give them a lot of analytics around that um, where you know they can then define zones where they want to sort of pay attention to and the thresholds that they want to monitor where cars pass through and understand how long to take cars to get from threshold A to B and B to C. And, and then how does that compare across all their locations? And are people getting stuck somewhere? Um, so that's sort of throughput and like an efficiency. Something that you're like turning it into analytics. You're, you're taking video data, looking for key events that happen and then turning that into analytics and then turning that into dashboards and alerting things like that. Exactly. And then there are equivalent things for, you know, warehouses, which care a lot about, you know, how many packages can you move through a warehouse on a given day? Uh, there are, you know, equivalent things for manufacturing facility where you want to make sure that certain areas have are, are staffed at least a minimum amount and at most a certain amount. Um, so there are a bunch of efficiency use cases there. On the safety side, uh, you know, bad things happen in businesses. So, you know, what business owners are trying to figure out is other people in places they shouldn't be. Are there, you know, is there a surge or, you know, more than a certain number of people in a certain amount of time that we need to be aware of? Um, are, uh, did you have a slip and fall? Uh, are the forklifts and, you know, people in a, in a warehousing facility kind of getting very close to each other or moving, are forklifts moving too fast through a facility, which, you know, is above the speed limit and therefore might cause an accident. So there are a bunch of so, different types of alerts there that we can help businesses with. So with all those kinds of different scenarios, did, did you guys have to use like computer vision and machine learning to, to specifically look for all those different scenarios or... Are, are the customers able to somehow like create some of their own scenarios on, the, on, the, on their own or do they have to go to you and say, hey, please like create these scenarios? No, so what we do is we use, we, we leverage computer vision and machine learning to be able to uh, like index and analyze the video. And uh, what we then do is we, based on the vertical, 
and what the customer needs, we're able to package it up into uh, pieces or like into analytics that actually makes sense for the customer. It's very easy to give a customer, you know, a random, you know, data point or account or like, you know, oh, there's a person here. Uh, what's but that's not very often useful to them what's really useful is how does it fit into that workflow how do you get that data to the right level of abstraction and accuracy that allows them to make a decision based on mm-hmm. uh, and that's what we focus on doing but you guys are my back to my question though is it sounds like you guys have to like code for those like industry specific solutions it, yeah, and you know, we, we build things that are pretty horizontal across industries and, you know, a lot of the foundations and the primitives are entirely horizontal across industries. And there are, uh, you know, some specific outcomes that might be more industry specific. And we do that based on the markets that we're targeting and where we see pull and what customers yeah. are asking us for. Well, um, before we continue, I do want to remind everybody that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what developers are available to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. So this appliance that you built, that they install, it does a lot of the kind of processing for you at the edge. But do you guys still end up storing a crap ton of video data like on your servers too, like ultimately? Actually, no, the video, unless the customer wants the video to be in the cloud, it's not in the cloud. So it's okay. entirely up to them. So you're just pulling the analytics out of it. Basically. And the the basic idea is that it's your video. It's, you know, we want it to be private. We call it private by design. And okay. you have to decide if you want the video to be backed up in the cloud. Okay. You have to allow a support person to look into your appliance to, you know, solve a problem. So you don't... Uh, so you don't necessarily expect people to log into your software and like look at the video feeds. They're more looking at the events that came out of it. But actually both, but that's the interesting part of the technology. They log into the software to look at the video feed, but the video is actually entirely served, or served from the edge. Okay. Uh, so the video actually never leaves the, 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 the customer's premise. Now, but the beauty of the technology is that they can still access it and use it anywhere. Okay. Uh, so we could, it looks, so the, it looks so like the cloud. So your software may be connecting directly to their local camera or connecting to your appliance or wherever they store the data. and That's exactly right. That's okay, exactly very cool. Right. Very cool. I like it. It so looks what... like the cloud. It feels like the cloud, but it's actually not in the cloud. I don't know if any, I don't know if, you know, there is no cloud actually, right? Like it's just, it's just somebody else's server in a warehouse basically somewhere. <laughs> It's not really a cloud, you know. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's the edge. And, you know, what, what, what that allows you to do, uh, the beauty of it is that you can do all those things and still uh, give the customer a very seamless and powerful experience. Yeah, from a data security right? perspective. With our, exactly. From a security perspective, from a convenience perspective, you don't need a VPN. You don't need, yeah. like, I like you it. know, to log into some, you know, some IP address. You don't need some, like, you know, separate password for every site. It's basically something that, you know, so, you can access from your from, from a browser. So things that sound simple like that are usually really, really freaking complicated behind the scenes, right? That's right. So so tell us about some of those complexities that you guys had to deal with of like, okay, how do we architect and engineer this thing? Like what were some of the big challenges you had? Uh, uh, I mean, it's you're absolutely right. It is very much 
uh, you know, if it looks simple, it's actually, there's a lot of work. And I mean, at a, before I go into that, but at a, at a philosophical level, that's what, you know, as a business, as founders, we believe very strongly is uh, it's our job as a company to solve the solve those hardest problems and give it to a customer in a very easy to use experience. Yeah. Uh, that's the that's that that's our job, and that's why we have a business. Is because that stuff is hard, and you know we built a team that that's world class and was able to execute on that. Um, I'm not the technical guy on the team, but I will say that uh, there there are a bunch of different challenges in terms of. Uh, I mean, firstly, cameras are like very even though there is a streaming standard, that's not always as you know nice as it's set up to be. Um, network topology is a very interesting problem. Um, you know, customers have different networks set up in different ways. Uh, you know, some networks are air gap. They have different like you know VLANs. So just the, yeah. there's just a lot of complexity there that we have to we have to abstract. And if you're trying to give a, the customer a really good experience, that all that has to be invisible to them. Right. All the things that you know you typically you know do as an IT person, we want all that to be bootstrapped into software. Uh, so, so, so there are a lot of those like complexities that as a person, it's, you know, hard enough to navigate, but now you have to get software to do it. So network topology is a very interesting one. Um, network variability and network uplink and downlink is an interesting problem. How do you then make sure that the video is still available at a certain quality, uh, and doesn't have enough, doesn't have uh, latency so that you're actually looking at video. That's not like 10 near real time from in real time. So those are some of the challenges that we've had to solve at a, at a technical well, that- level. Were there any of those challenges that, you know, over the last few years, like, man, this is a big one and we don't know what we're going to do or did almost didn't solve it or like, were there any in any particular challenges or are they just like, Hey, we just had to figure them out. Were there any that were overly I, difficult? I, I mean, I think, I think a, a lot of these were particularly difficult given that, uh, this number of cameras on our platform has been increasing quite dramatically because we've been experiencing dramatic growth. So, you know, so, uh, you know, you not just you not you don't just have to solve these problems once, right? You also have to keep solving them repeatedly as you go to the next level of scale, and right. keep thinking one two years ahead on scale and architecting your your technology to then be able to you know go through that uh, and to, to be able to support that. Uh, and then the other interesting problem is that uh, because networks at the edge are so um, I mean it's it, it's such a uh, they're, they're so heterogeneous. You're always dealing with uh, uh, edge cases, no pun intended. Uh, you know the low probability cases that for a particular customer actually became a big deal. Now that may be one of hundreds or thousands of or customers you have, but it's still a problem for that customer. Yeah. So as a business, how do you develop the muscle to be able to identify those problems, those edge cases? Uh, you know, highlight them and then, you know, constantly keep solving for them so that you, you know, have less and less edge cases over time. So, you know, how do the different like teams on the the engineering product and support side work together to make that happen? Uh, and then, you know, there are hard technical problems that you solve even once you surface it, right? But how do you know that that is that kind of problem? How do you diagnose in a complex system what the exact issue is and then actually solve it? So, uh, so there guys... are organizational issues to solve there. Have you guys gotten to the stage yet where you're, you have like a million cameras in the system or like what no, it's not, hundreds, not, hundreds of thousands of cameras? Like it's, it's, it's a high number, uh, but I, I, it's, it's, it's at a stage where, you know, we're, we're feeling really good about, there's been a lot of work and we have a team that's dedicated just to that. Yeah. How do you make sure the camera feeds show up? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. 
that that's it. And then so we, we we've got to a good place there where we feel happy about. Uh, we've we've come a really long way. And obviously there are you're you're never done with that kind of thing. Uh, you know, as a business, reliability of the core product is always a key focus. So how? Wh- what does growth look like for you guys in your go-to-market strategy? I know you're you're head of growth, right? That's that's your your forte. So, what does your guys' sales strategy look like? How do you how do you sell your solution? The uh, you know so we sell to customers across you know seventeen verticals, and one thing that's common across all our customers is customers love to try the product. So the trial is actually a very very big part of our sales process. Okay a free trial because, you know, the other day, the way technology is bought today is customers want to see it. Uh, they want to see it. They want to use it. They want to, IT folks want to get feedback from the users and say, hey, is this, is this, does this look good to me? So you're doing uh, a free trial, but you're shipping them hardware to do a free trial. We're shipping them hardware to do a free trial. Yeah. That's exactly right. You don't uh, see that very often. Uh, I mean, it's something that's uh, quite crucial, I think, because it enables customers to, in a world where we're giving them something so new that, uh, uh, you know, they wouldn't conceptualize exists, right? Uh, they need to see it to believe it. Uh, they need to see it to kind of really, you know, even build consensus in their organization sometimes to, 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 to have a, to actually execute on a buying process. So now obviously as a business that creates complexity for us, we have to send those, you know, we have to send those trial units out. We've got to get them back. Uh, we have to make sure that once the unit is plugged in, it works. Uh, we have to make sure that the, we have a customer success team who then make sure that the customer is getting value from the product is set up is you know fully well versed how to use it and they're kind of integrated into it. Uh, so it actually creates a lot of uh, you know uh, uh, organizational mechanics that need to be executed on. But what that does is that it gives customers a really like really good buying experience. We're not trying to hypothesize on what could this be. It's, it's like here's what it is. And yes, having having hardware in it does create a higher bar, um, but uh, but that's something that we have seen is absolutely necessary to our process. So m- most of our customers like always just try the product first, and then we give it to them for like a month, and then we give it to we, we give it to them for a month, and then like they they try it out, they see the value, and then they they buy. So. From the go-to-market strategy itself, though, is it primarily through phone calls? Like you're calling like all of the car washes and stuff. Is it is it direct phone calls, or do you guys sell through partners, or how do you how do you guys what is like the primary like traction channel you use? So we 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 sell directly to our customers. We you know do have a partner program that we're setting up, but primarily so far we've sold entirely direct. Uh, channels are really a mix. Uh, a lot of people search for video online. Okay. So, so a lot of like inbound, inbound a lot search, of inbound search okay. from that, right? You want a camera system, you look on Google. Now, uh, some of those are businesses that you want to target. Some of those are consumers, but there's still a lot of them there. Uh, so we definitely rely on that. Uh, and then another piece, like two other pieces that are becoming very important from our go-to-market strategy perspective is uh, webinars. Uh, again, we're, what's what, what we see happening in the world of B2B selling is Customers want to do their research before they talk to sales. Customers don't want to get into a sales process and then be, uh, you know, called ten times in a week by a salesperson saying, "Hey, like, are you buying yet?" Uh, they want to do their research, and customers, especially IT folks, want to be really informed. So customers are looking for these low-touch ways to learn about the product in a real way. 
So one thing that we have found to be very useful is actually webinars where customers show up and they actually like uh, they they want to see a demo of the product. They want to chat with other customers in that webinar and ask questions. Uh, they want to see what questions other people have. So another thing that we do, which is uh, we think very helpful, is we have you know a pretty developed webinar program where customers show up every week into a webinar and can like ask questions and learn about the product. Yeah, um, and then. The third is outbound sales, right? Ultimately, a lot of sales sales, sales comes down to calling people on the phone, okay, getting getting hold of the right person. So it's a bit of a it's a mix of all these. Things. Okay, I'm just curious because every business is totally different. So, um, what what do you guys see as the 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 future for this? I mean, what where's what what are you guys working on next? So, you know, from our perspective video surveillance was this category of products that existed for a very long time. Uh, People used it once in a while. It was just used for security. Uh, With this unlocking the value of video, we see a couple of things happening. One is businesses are using video for all these different purposes and we are making that video useful. And secondly, it's not just a small set of people in an organization who have access to it, but like, Everybody does. Video is now becoming a tool that businesses are using in their day-to-day lives, uh, whether it be the HR person or the operations person or the finance person or uh, the safety person. They're all using video to make better decisions and to collaborate. So what we see happening is a new category of products getting created that we call video intelligence. Uh, uh, It's like business intelligence, except business intelligence is missing a data stream. It's actually video. Uh, So video intelligence is is this category of products that we are building and the vision is over the next few years, how do we create and dominate that category over several different verticals? Uh, and from a, and there are many things that unlock the value of video, right? One is, you know, AI that's used to index and analyze the video and give insights to customers, right? There are more things. There are things like, there are hardware products that, both enable the use of video and are enabled by the use of video. So how can you use video, for example, to then actuate and create ins- like create outcomes for a customer? If you figure out something about a customer's operation, can you, uh, you know, actually, you know, shut down or speed up different things? How can you create those like outcomes for these customers? So that's another, that's another thing that we think about. Um, and then, you know, we think a lot about how video can be used across different applications. So, uh, uh, you know, video as a data source is something that can be used in, you know, many different systems that customers already have, whether it be support, whether it be safety. So how do we help video like pervade through all the customers' business systems and make it like more useful for them? Uh, so, so those are the different vectors that we think about and all this sort of comes together in this product category called video intelligence. And that's what we're building over the next few years. So do you, do you have any potential challenges to, to achieve those goals? Is there anything that, that, that is standing in your way to, to do some of these things or, you know, big obstacles that you guys have to work through or. I think the, the interesting thing about, you know, video is you have a lot of customers who um, intuitively get the value of it and are already looking to do it. Uh, You know, you have the early adopters, Mm -hmm. but then you also have the folks who, don't know this exists. So from a go right. market perspective, one of the biggest challenges, how do you articulate that value and, you know, get it out there to... It's an early market. 
it's an early market. How do you yeah. get out a lot of customers? Which is very hard because it's like people people don't buy that thing. Like my one of my favorite examples would be like trying to go to the Philippines and sell toilet paper. It's like they don't use toilet paper. Like that's that's not a normal thing, right? So it's not a market. <laughs> and that's a very difficult business to to be in, right? When you have to like create a market and like there's not people aren't shopping for that thing. Maybe maybe they even they need it, but they don't know that they need it or they're not used to buying it. Right. And you know, I think the the advantage that we've taken what we figured out with our go-to-market strategy is people buy a lot of video surveillance and video cameras, like security cameras anyway. So we use that as sort of the angle to sell to customers. Right. You it's a many billions of dollars being spent. Customers are buying these products. So how do we sell and we get in the door with these customers? And then how do we use this value of video concept to then expand into these customers? Uh, and, and and that's something that is, is probably the solution that uh, that that's a solution that we've been working on these days, and and uh, you know, helping customers be successful once they have the product, and then building out rich case studies from that, and then using that to go to the next set of customers as we create this category. Uh, so yes, hard problem, and the way we see it is uh, the uh, the price at the end of that tunnel is very very large. So so tell me what what is the like entry level like price point that somebody uses or pays for your guys' solution? Like, what does the pricing kind of start at? Uh, the pricing typically, so we typically charge per camera. Okay. Uh, so it de- depends on how many camera feeds the customer has. Uh, typically, a customer would start in any scenario at about a couple of thousand a year. Okay. So maybe, you know, a couple hundred a month. Okay. Uh, and then it can go up depending on how many camera systems they actually, how many cameras they actually have. And, you know, there are customers who have, uh, eight cameras at location. There are customers that have 300 cameras at location. There are customers so, that have 2,000 cameras at location. Yeah, so that, that was my next question for you is like, what is the craziest thing you've seen? Like, do you have a customer that's like a casino or like some crazy thing or? I mean, the craziest thing we've seen are, and we see this with very up, very like, you know, forward thinking operating customers is, uh, I mean, they have a cameras, then the number of cameras that they have and they use it for operating purposes and then manufacturing uh, but they have an order of magnitude more cameras than they would for security. So if the warehouse has like, you know, 200 plus security cameras, they'll actually have like 2000 cameras for like non-security purposes. Oh, wow. Uh, so that's, uh, and, and that's also where we see the world going. We see the world going to a place where the, you know, the camera density is increasing and that's driven by these really specific use cases that you have in all these industry verticals. So what you, are... won't have, you won't have that in every vertical. You'll have that in so... some. So for that kind of warehouse, like what are they trying to do? What are, what are they tracking with all these cameras? Uh, they're tracking their manufacturing and distribution lines. So what they want to know is, you know, how is the manufacturing line progressing at like every point? And they're trying to get ahead of problems there because if you have problems, you're not able to, uh, you know, you actually lose money, right? You produce bad widgets uh, or, you know, you have wastage uh, uh, and you, you can't sell them. So the, the business case is so strong that allows them to have these many cameras. Right. Interesting. And we see this more in regulated industries compared to others as well. So, you know, regulated industries have a lot of requirements like cannabis around, you know, needing a certain number of cameras in every part of your business. Yeah. I could see, I could see there'd be a huge need for this for cannabis related stuff because like they have to track, if I remember right, like every plant and all this stuff, like there's, an exactly. enormous amount of tracking that goes on. That's exactly right. So, so, uh, and the, so, and manufacturing warehousing definitely on the higher end of, uh, you know, the, the the density of cameras that you see. 
Interesting. All right. Well, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, FullScale can help. We have the platform and the people to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let our platform match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced team of experts. At FullScale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, you know, as we wrap up the show, do you, is there any any final thoughts, words of wisdom for for our listeners? Uh, I can. I think building a business has been probably one of the most meaningful things I've done. Uh, and I mean, and I know a lot of your audience is 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 is, is that. Uh, it, 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 it's hard. And I think one of the things that as founders, we don't talk enough about is uh, our own mental health uh, and our own personal development. And I think uh, that's something that I've personally found a whole lot of uh, uh, benefit engaging with. And I know that it's a lot of people, it's something that a lot of people struggle with and don't talk enough about. So I think as a community, I hope what I hope for us is that we, we spend more time engaging and then talking about that uh, and that people spend more time, you know, uh, 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 focusing on that for themselves because doing that allows us to build our companies better. Well, I think everybody needs um, a friend, a mentor, advisor, people they can relate to that are entrepreneurs because uh, it's definitely its its own world and most people can't relate to. So <laughs> that's, totally agree. That's correct. <laughs> well, everybody, this was Sud Batija and his company is Spot.ai. Um, if you need a, a really intelligent camera system, definitely check out his company as well. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show today, man. Really appreciate it, Matt. Had a great time. Thank you. All right. Take care. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.